Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Hey, so we're going to finish up this series we've been in called Bedtime Stories. We've been looking at some of the most famous stories in the entire Bible, so bedtime stories, stories that kids know. Today is a big one that kids will know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a, a story about two men in one-on-one, hand-to-hand combat. Well, that's what the plan was. That's not really how it turned out. So we're going to be looking at this story from 1 Samuel 17 in the Old Testament of the Bible about David versus Goliath. I'm pretty sure everybody in the room knows of this story more than likely. So since we know the story, again, I'm not going to read 50-something verses because you know, we're wearing masks as it is. It's just hard enough, right? So I'm going to retell it, but I'm going to need your help, okay? I just, it's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. We're going to make it happen, okay? So everybody ready? So I'm going to tell a story of David versus Goliath. As I tell the story, every time I say the name David, we're going to, woo, David. We're going to cheer him. Yeah. So let's practice. I'm just going to talk and randomly say the name David. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Now, conversely, every time I say the name Goliath, we're going to boo. So it's woo and boo. So I'm just going to randomly, you know, you know, the other day I was talking to a guy named Goliath. And he told me about a guy named David. Okay, we're good. Here we go, 1 Samuel 17. So here's, let me set the scene for you. There's this huge valley. On either side of the valley are two armies. One side is the nation of Israel. They are God's chosen people. On the other side of the valley are, this, are the peoples called the Philistines. They are enemies. They do not get along. The Philistines antagonize Israel all the time. So they're standing here on either side of the valley just staring at each other. Nobody wants to make the first move. Nobody wants to fire the first shot. They're waiting for something to happen. So then I guess the Philistines get tired of waiting and they have a plan. So they send down into the valley uh, their champion warrior named Goliath. And he issues this challenge, right? He says, I challenge anyone from Israel to one-on-one combat. I'm going to represent the Philistines and you'll represent Israel. And we're going to battle it out to the death. And whoever wins, that whole army wins. We'll be your slaves. And if we win, then, you know, if, if you win, you'll be our slaves. I don't, I'm saying this backwards. Just anyway, whoever wins, wins. Okay, that's just what we're talking about. Let's just not make it too complicated. So Goliath, good job, issues this challenge for 40 days. And no one from Israel answers this challenge. He comes out every day and issues the same challenge and nobody comes. So after about 40 days of this, there's a young shepherd boy named David, and he shows up to the battle. 
Not because he's in the army. He's not old enough to be in the army. He's a teenager, probably 15, 16 years old, maybe at best. He shows up to actually bring some food and supplies to his three older brothers who are in the army. His three older brothers are there hearing this challenge from Goliath every day. But David shows up and he hears this challenge. And he looks around. He's like, is nobody going to... How long has this been going on? They're like... Oh, almost, you know, five or six weeks now. He comes out every day, makes fun of God, issues this challenge, and nobody has answered him yet. Now, who can tell me? So, first of all, if, if you win, your whole army wins. You're, victor, you're victorious. But the king of Israel, King Saul, has given two other prizes. Who knows what they are? If a man challenges Goliath and wins, what else does he get? Two things. Anybody know? Yes, he wins the hand of the king's daughter. And no taxes for life. I mean, I might risk it, you know, I might risk it for that. So the no taxes part, I'm already happily married. So I don't need to be royalty. I don't need to be the king's son-in-law. So David, I knew that was going to happen eventually. We're going to wear out. Okay. We're going to keep it up. Okay, so David says, I'm going to do this. Nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to do it. So he talks to King Saul. We'll talk about that conversation in a minute. And uh, King Saul tries to help him out, but to no avail. So David goes down to meet Goliath, one-on-one combat. Now, Goliath has armor. He has a sword. He has a shield. He has a spear. The Bible says that the tip of his spear weighed about 15 pounds. The tip The head of the spear, 15 pounds. And also Goliath is somewhere between, the Bible says, eight and nine feet tall. And David is is just a, thank you, I forgot what I was doing for a second. You guys are on it. You're on it. All right. Thank you. Uh, So he's a shepherd boy. He's small, scrawny, you know, just normal kid. And uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute too. So they go down to me and Goliath, when he sees David coming, he makes fun of him. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? Because while Goliath has all this armor, David only has a shepherd's staff and a slingshot with some stones. That's all he's got. No armor, no protection, no training, none of that. And so he's being made fun of. So David says to Goliath, this is more fun than I thought it was going to be. This is better than I ever could have imagined. This is a great idea. So he says, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And that's apparently all that he needed. So David takes a stone out of his pouch, puts it in the sling, gets it going really fast and flings that thing. And it hits Goliath square in the forehead, right between the eyes. Yeah, woo, it's extra woo for that. He falls to the ground. And so then David... I don't know if the, uh, this is maybe PG-13 here. We're going to get a little violent for a second. David goes over, picks up Goliath's huge sword, and chops off Goliath's boo. Yeah, I skipped it one through one, didn't I? His head. Kills him. Yeah, man. Wow, you guys are a violent bunch today. You're excited about chopping off heads. And so Israel wins the battle because David won the battle. And then they, the Philistines try to run away. The Israelites chased them down and killed them in the valley, and that's gross. But that's what—that's sort of the story. So thank you for helping me tell that story. That was awesome. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. I didn't really do anything. You guys did all the work for me. 
classic story that we all know with the woos and the boos, right? We know that story. And there's a lot of different ways that you can apply that story. And so what I want to do for a few minutes is look at three things that we can use to apply this story to our lives. Um, and they're very, very simple ideas, I think, but also foundational in their simplicity, okay? So here's the first thing that I want to draw from this story. The first idea that we can apply is the fact that God has chosen you, each and every one of you in the room. God has a plan for your life. You may not think he does. You may not see how it's, how it's working out, but God has made you on purpose with a purpose, God has a plan for your life. So uh, let me read this verse and then we'll get into the, we'll go back to the story of David. Ephesians 2.10 fleshes this out. Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. You're made on purpose for a purpose. But sometimes it's hard to see what that is because it's little everyday sort of things that add up to a greater purpose. Things that we take for granted, decisions that we make that we just don't really give much thought to, those little things add up to big things, big plans, big purposes that God has for each of us. Because, you know, David didn't wake up, and we don't have to woo when I say David and boo when I say Goliath, like we're done. I just want to make sure we know we're done with that, okay? I know, I know, but it's just, we'll be here for a really long time if we have to stop and woo and boo the whole time. So, anyway. So, David didn't wake up that morning saying, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go down and challenge a giant today because he didn't know what was even going on. So he didn't know, but even Ephesians says God has planned. He's prepared it beforehand for us. So David didn't see exactly spiritually what was going on, that God had prepared this moment for him. All David did was look at a problem that no one was attempting to fix. These trained military men with armor, with experience, with training and know-how and skill, are scared stiff. They are not willing to face Goliath in hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat. So David doesn't, he sees this problem that no one is fixing. He sees this issue that no one is handling. He's looking around and he's saying, I'll do it. And I don't think it was the no taxes thing. I don't think it was the the king's daughter's thing. I think it was just the fact that he's like, if no one else is going to man up, why not me? That's that's really the whole point of this story is David's like, come on, guys, is anybody going to stand up to this bully? Is anybody going to defend the honor of God that he is blaspheming in this valley every single day? Is no one going to do anything? And he says, if no one will, then I will. He wasn't planning on doing this, but that's where he found himself. And many times our lives are the same way. God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be to do exactly what he's called and planned for you to do. Yeah, it's little everyday things, but guess what? People in your life need encouragement. No one else is giving it to them. Why not you? Why not me? People around the world that really needs like aid, like we, if we have the means to give it to them, why not me? Why not you? Why are we waiting for everybody else to solve these problems and we have the means to at least make an effort to do what we can to solve problems? Even like your, your job, where you work, needs faithful employees. Why not you? Why not me? We need people with good attitudes on the job. Why not you? Why not me? Again, we don't think, well, that's God's plan. Sure it is. 
People that you spend 40, 50 hours a week with, they, they need encouragement. Like your, your manager, your boss, they may not be the greatest person in the world, but they need faithful people to do the job that you're hired to do with a good attitude, with the best work ethic that we can have. Little things add up to big things. It's part of God's plan for our lives. Those little things that we don't think are a big deal really are. And we don't wake up thinking, I'm going to change the world today with my good attitude. But that's what you do. When you have a good attitude and everybody else is like rotten to the core, there's something there that people notice. It makes a difference. It's part of God's plan uh, in your life to do what he's called you to do. There are people that you know. Here's a big one, though. That it is a big one. People that you know that don't know Jesus. God's placed you where you are on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. So why not you? Why not you? Why not, how about you tell your story? How about you befriend those people? How about you be the light that Jesus wants to shine through you. Nobody else is going to do it. How about us? Will we answer the challenge? Some things that we can see coming, some things that we notice and think about and are aware of, some things we don't, like David. He didn't wake up thinking, I'm going to defeat a giant today, but he did. He didn't think, I'm going to do the impossible today, but he did. He looked around, saw the issues around him, saw the problems around him, saw that no one else is doing anything. Why not me? Why not make an effort? Why not do something? God has chosen you to live your life in that way, not to wait around for somebody else to do it, not to wait around for all the conditions to be perfect to even make an effort. What if I fail? What if they don't accept me? What if, you know, what if I make a friend and then they stab me in the... Okay, yeah, that's a possibility. You may get battle wounds in this this thing called life. It's going to happen. But if no one does it, why not me? Why not you? God has chosen you to live your life that way. But it's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done because sometimes we feel like David, well, I'm inadequate and I can't do it and I don't know if I even want to try. So here's the second main idea to help us propel forward in this idea. And that is that know that God is with you. He hasn't just said, hey, do this thing on your own here. I'm going to watch from afar and just see if you can make it happen. That's not how it works. Going back to the story again, we we saw the, the difference between David and Goliath. Right? David is young and inexperienced. He has no military training. He's a teenager. Right? He doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know how to... Ba- He's not going to be able to defeat Goliath. He doesn't have the skill. He was unprepared. Uh, he didn't have armor, didn't have weapons. He just showed up kind of with his, what he had on him. And Goliath, though, on the other hand, was battle-tested. He's a warrior, He's trained for this moment. He's issuing a challenge knowing he has a 99.99% chance of winning. It's going to take, he's probably thinking, it's going to take a miracle from one of the gods to defeat me. Guess what? 0.1% chance that was his day, right? He predicted his own fate. He was prepared. He has armor. He has weaponry. He's ready. He's skilled. So we see that the difference is here. Here's, here's the thing that we skipped over I just want to talk about for just a second. So King Saul of Israel, he tries to help out David, right? He sees you're unprepared, you're scrawny, you are about to get yourself killed. Like, it's going to be so fast. Like, basically a swipe of the paw and you're done, right? You're just bird feed, right? That's what Goliath said was going to happen. I'm going to feed, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field when I'm done with you. So Saul sees this and is like, this is, not gonna, this is not the champion that we really want to put out there, okay? And so he tries to give David his personal armor. He tries to give him his weapons, and they're like way too big. 
and it's not going to fit. And the helmet, he can't even see. He's like, this, hey, Saul, this is not going to work. Like, I'm going to have a hard enough time with nothing. I'm really dead if I can't see where he is and where he's coming from. And these weapons, they're, they're heavy. I can't wield these weapons. I'm scrawny. I'm a little shepherd boy. This is not going to work. So Saul tries to fix the problem, but David's like, nope, i got to do this God's way. i got to do this the only way I know how. And so, again, we reference this scripture but when, when David goes out, again, Goliath makes fun of him and says, really, you're coming at me with a stick? With a stat? Are we playing fetch? Did I, did, I not, did I misinterpret what I meant? Like, I'm going to kill you. I'm not fetching your stick, boy. And he laughs at him, mocks God. And again, David says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And that's apparently all that David really needed. He knew that God was with him. I don't need to manufacture the results. God's going to do his work his way. He's going to use me to do it. He's called me to do it, and he's going to do it his way because he is with me. And so he, he does that, and we can do the same thing. We can do anything. We can face anything with this same knowledge that God is with you. Let me give you, let me give you some examples. Well, first, let me read Hebrews 13.21. This is key here to understanding that God is with you. Hebrews 13.21, he says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. I want to look at this verse again. I want you to notice something very important. It says, may who equip you? That's God. Yeah. God equips you with all that you need for doing his will. It goes back to the first point. God's called you, right? He's chosen you. And then who produces in you? God does. He does. God produces in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. In what you're facing, in what you're chosen to do and called to do, please understand that you are not alone. You are never alone in this fight for your life, in this fight for whatever you're dealing with. God has chosen you to do his work and his will, and he empowers you to do that. You may be inexperienced. You may feel inadequate. You may be young, even the kids in here. God's chosen you for a special work. He has a plan for your life, okay? So God's with you in that. Whatever he's called you to do, whatever he wants to do in your life and through your life, he's with you. You may be scared sometimes. You may have doubts and questions. How is this going to happen? Like, I'm ill-prepared. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. You may think that you can't do what God's chosen you to do. You may not feel ready to do what God's chosen you to do. And you may feel alone, but know that God is with you. He is with you. I think sometimes we minimize that fact. It's, it's hard to know that in the moment because we can't see God. You know, he's this spirit. How do I know he's with me? You just know that he's with you. That's kind of we walk by faith, not by sight. That's where that comes into play. When you feel overwhelmed and alone and afraid and ill-prepared you just, I just can't. That's when God can come in closer to you. Not when he's, when you feel he's far away, he's probably really close at that moment. We just don't take a second to breathe and notice that he's there. But David noticed, and that was all the difference. Know that you are not alone, that God is with you. Don't, don't underestimate that the God who made the universe with the word of his mouth, he said, there was nothing God said, let there be, boom, there was. That same God is right now with you. 
Tomorrow, when you face what you face, he'll be with you. Next week, when you have a huge issue in your family, God's with you. Six months from now, when you get a diagnosis you can't handle, God is with you. When you look at how your life maybe is not going as you planned, God is with you. When you have a decision to make that you need wisdom, God is with you. You are never on your own. And if you are, it's of your own choosing. Let me just say that. Sometimes we live life on our own, and that's when things fall apart, and God just like, hey, I'm right here. Like, how about you let me in? How about you ask me? How about you, you know, and he's just, he's ready and willing to just come in and be the this, be this stone in the slingshot. If only we will know and believe and live as if we are not alone. Here's the key, though, to this whole victory, and it's the, it's the gory part. It's the violent part. We know about the stone in the forehead, and yay, David won, but that's not really the end of the story. That's not a complete victory. So the third key as we begin to wrap it up today is this encouragement. Whatever God's called you to do, whatever he's with you in to do, finish the job. Finish the job. Let's look at verse 46 of this story and see what David did. Here's what David says. He tells Goliath, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. Because that's what Goliath said he was going to do, right? And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So what David did is he made a goal, he made a plan, and then he worked the plan. All the way to the end. So there's a four-step plan here in this verse, okay? Conquer, kill, Cut and carcass, okay? That's the four-step plan that David had. I'm, Lord's going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you, cut off your head, and then feed your flesh to the birds, okay? Kill, conquer, kill, cut, and carcass. The job for David was never completed until all four steps have been accomplished, okay? It's not just when the stone hits the forehead. It's not when the giant falls. We don't know if the giant's dead when he falls from the stone. David didn't know either, so he's like, guess what, buddy? I'm going to make sure you're good and dead. He had to finish the job. It's not one-on-one combat until someone falls over or until someone's knocked out cold. We, you know, count to 10, winner. It's not boxing. It's not MMA. It's like until one of us is dead, this is not over. David knew that and that he had to finish the job. So he did. So he put the sling in. He put the stone in the sling, hit him in the forehead, knocked him out, and then he, what did he do? Killed him by cutting off his head, and then the army conquered the other army. He had to finish the job. Now, that's a weird thing, but so how does that apply? I'm not going to, please don't cut off anyone's head this week, okay? God, I know what God's called me to do now. I figured it out, Stephen, you know. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. But whatever God's called you to do, make the goal like David did, and have a goal, make a plan, and then work the plan until the end, until the goal is reached. We're going to get really practical here for just a minute, Okay. So I, Kim and I were talking recently about goals that we want by the time we're 40 years old, okay? And I've had this same goal since I was probably like 10 years old, and that is to write a book. So like literally, like since I was a kid, that was the first job I ever wanted to have was to write, write books, be an author. And that hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I just turned 34, so 24 years of failure, right? Right here, you're looking at that, okay? So I made this goal. By 40, I want to you know, even if it's self-published on Amazon, that counts, okay? I'm going to set the bar a little low here so I can try to achieve this first goal. So by 40, I'm going to write that book. So guess what? I have a goal. I better make a plan because six years is going to come and go pretty fast. 
So I have to figure out, okay, what am I going to write about? How is it going to work? Start writing. You know, how are you going to write a book? Start writing. Step one, right? You know, that's basically it. Pencil, paper, typewriter, whatever, computer, tablet, smartphone, write something down. And then you got to work, work the plan until the goal was reached. That's just very simple, but that's what David did. That's how he did the impossible. And we're talking about things that aren't impossible, but they may feel like they are. Maybe, you're gonna, maybe you have a goal to learn a skill. Um, so here's the thing. What are, you have a goal. you got to work that. you got to make the plan and work it. So maybe you got to take a class. you got to watch some YouTube videos. you know, you gotta, you got to learn from somebody else. Uh, to learn that skill. You, you got the goal, that's great, but until you have the plane and work it, you're never going to finish the job. Hey, maybe, uh, hey, kids, you want to get straight A's in school? Do kids even get A's anymore? They get like Q's and P's and M's, and it's just, hopefully by, Jackson's going to be middle school, hopefully now we get real grades. I don't know. I'm so confused as to what this report card means. Great job, guys. I guess you're doing great. So anyway, if you want to get great, good grades, that's a good goal, but you got to have a plan. Like paying attention in class would be probably a good thing to do there, right? Maybe doing homework when you're supposed to would be a good way to work the plan, to reach the goal. Maybe even as you get older, doing a little bit of extra credit stuff to give you some more wiggle room, that's always a huge key. Like I know I can, I can do really poorly on a test or a quiz because I've got this in my back pocket. So those are ways, simple things, easy things. You, goal's good, but to finish the job, you've got to have a plan and work the plan. Maybe your goal is to go back to school. Maybe you're an adult and you're like, I'm going to go back to school and get a degree. What are you doing to work that plan? What's, what's the plan look like? Have you gotten your transcripts? Have you done, like, fill out the application? That's a good first step. Again, this is very practical, very simple, but it's true. It's not just enough to have goals. We've got to make the plan like David did. He said out loud what he's going to do. He said, I'm, I'm going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head, and then I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. He had a plan. He had a goal, but then he made a plan and worked the plan to the end. That's what we're talking about, okay? Maybe you want to kick a habit or an addiction. That's a great goal, but just saying, I want to stop doing this. I mean, good luck with that, right? Like that, I mean, I mean, God can help you with that. Maybe that's the first step. Ask God to help you kick that habit or that addiction. That'd be great. Accountability in your life is going to be a huge part of kicking that habit or breaking that addiction. Maybe becoming part of a group that helps with those types of things. Again, practical steps, but it's not just enough to say, I want to do this. I want to do this in the next 10 years. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. Guess what? You're never going to do that, <laughs> okay? You've got to make the plan, steps, you know, ways to get there. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? How can I get further on to reaching that goal? Maybe your goal is to just simply grow in your faith. Well, that's a, that's a big statement, right? That's a huge thing. How do you do that? Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to grow. I'm going to water myself I, and grow in my faith. I don't know how to miracle grow spirit style. I don't know. Is there like a spiritual feed or seed store that I can go to? No, there isn't. Actually, this is, part, this is it, I guess. So you're here at the spiritual seed store right now. So that's maybe one step, like getting involved in a faith community. Check. You've already checked that box to grow in your faith. Getting in the Bible is a huge way to grow in your faith. Again, being a part of a group, uh, other, even other than the church, like a study group, other things like that will help you to reach that goal. Again, goals are good, but goals are not enough. And you're never going to finish, you're never going to reach the goal or finish the job if we don't make a plan like David and work the plan. We have to finish the job. We have to see it through. Don't get halfway and feel like, I'm close enough. 
No, 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 you're not. Have you reached the goal? Well, I'm about halfway. No, nope, then you're, you're not there yet. You got to keep going. That's what we tend to do. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. This diet's really hard. How many more pounds do you have to lose? Like 10? Then keep going for 10 more pounds. You know, I've already lost 50. Great. But 60 was the goal, right? Work that plan. Finish the job. Don't settle for halfway. Don't settle for 80%. Don't settle for 90%. Finish the job. Otherwise, what's going to happen is, what if David had just said, well, I knocked him out with the stone. I'm the champion. He turned his back for a second. Goliath gets up and, you know, and David's the one with his head cut off. That's what's going to happen. David knew he had to finish the job. We have to know whatever God's called us to do in any area of our life, we have to not just set the goal, but finish the job. Okay, we have to kill it, cut the head off and defeat the army. So as we close, let me just remind us that God chose David. He didn't know it, but he did. This, you know, inexperienced, young, scrawny, no armor, no preparation, wakes up like a normal day. He didn't know he was going to fight a giant, but God chose him and God was with him to do the impossible. Let me just remind you that God's chosen you for something special in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't know how many little things it is to to culminate to that big thing that God has for you. I don't know what every detail of your life entails. You don't either. But God's chosen you for something special. He wants your life to count for something big. He's made you on purpose with a purpose. No matter your age or experience, no matter what you know or don't know or what you can do or can't do, God's chosen you. And you're never alone because God's with you to help you do the impossible. Even if you have all the knowledge and experience and insight, you still can't do the impossible. Why? Because it's impossible. So if God is with you, you can. You can fight any giant. You can knock him down. You can cut his head off. You can see this thing to the end. You can withstand anything in your life. You can make a difference. If you remain faithful, you can do the impossible.